It's May 1st, 2023, and this is your DSR Daily Brief. I'm Chris Cottonor. Our top stories from international outlets this morning. The AP reports that Russia launched its second large salvo of missiles at Ukraine in recent days early Monday, damaging buildings and wounding at least 34 people in the eastern city of Pavlorod, but failing to hit Kiev, officials said. Air raid sirens began blaring across the capital at about 3.45 a.m., followed by the sounds of explosions as missiles were intercepted by Ukrainian defense systems. Eighteen cruise missiles were fired in total from the Murmansk region and the Caspian region, and 15 of them were intercepted. The head of Kyiv city administration, Serhii Popko, said all missiles fired at the city were shot down, as well as some drones. He didn't provide further details, but said more information would be available later. The attack follows Friday's launch of more than 20 cruise missiles and two explosive drones at Ukraine, which was the first to target Kyiv in nearly two months. According to Al Jazeera, hundreds of foreigners fleeing Sudan have arrived in the Saudi Arabian port of Jeddah, Saudi state media reported, as Sudan entered a third week of fighting between rival military forces despite a ceasefire. A ferry with around 1,900 evacuees arrived at a Saudi naval base in Jeddah after crossing the Red Sea from Port Sudan in the latest evacuation to the kingdom by sea, the SPA state news agency reported on Saturday. The group included the first known Iranian evacuees to escape the fighting, as Iran's foreign ministry said 65 Iranian citizens had left from Port Sudan through Jeddah to Iran. Earlier, an Emirati evacuation plane arrived from Sudan carrying citizens and nationals from 16 countries, the United Arab Emirates said. About 128 evacuees, including British and U.S. citizens, landed in the capital Abu Dhabi, where they were greeted by officials. Politico reports that neither Democrats nor Republicans seem to have adjusted their positions on the debt ceiling Sunday, despite House Republicans having passed a sweeping debt limit and spending cuts plan on Wednesday. Senator Chris Coons of Delaware likened the bill to hostage negotiations Sunday during an interview on ABC's This Week. House Democratic Whip Catherine Clark called on Republicans to be the grown-ups in the room in addressing the debt ceiling. But Republicans are continuing to blame President Joe Biden, who has called on Congress to pass a clean debt limit increase, saying he will not negotiate with Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on the issue, citing historical precedent. Happy to meet with McCarthy, Biden said at the end of a brief press conference at the White House on Wednesday, but not on whether the debt limit gets extended. That's not negotiable. Elsewhere, according to reporting by the Washington Post, federal regulators have seized First Republic Bank and sold it to J.P. Morgan Chase Bank in a deal aimed at quelling renewed weakness in the nation's banking industry. In a statement issued Monday, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation said that all depositors of First Republic Bank will become depositors of J.P. Morgan and will have full access to their deposits. 
The deal involved a highly competitive bidding process, the FDIC said in a statement, but it did not say what J.P. Morgan is paying to purchase First Republic. Under the deal, J.P. Morgan acquires substantially all First Republic assets and agrees to assume responsibility for all of its deposits, including those above the federal insurance limit of $250,000 per account. First Republic had about $229.1 billion in assets and $103.9 billion in deposits. Al Jazeera reports that Turkish intelligence forces have killed the suspected leader of ISIL, President Erdogan announced. Erdogan said Turkish intelligence had been monitoring the alleged leader of the hardline group for a long time before launching their operation. This individual was neutralized as part of an operation by the Turkish National Intelligence Organization in Syria yesterday, Erdogan said in an interview with TRT Turk broadcaster on Sunday. There was no announcement from ISIL. The Syrian National Army, an opposition faction with a security presence in the area, did not immediately issue any comment. Residents told the AFP news agency that an operation had targeted an abandoned farm that was being used as an Islamic school. According to Politico Europe, five EU countries have struck a deal with the European Commission on shifting millions of tons of Ukrainian grain out of the region after almost two weeks of intensive negotiations. Poland, Hungary, Slovakia, and Bulgaria restricted imports of Ukrainian produce earlier this month following protests by farmers unable to sell their crops due to a supply glut. And while Romania had not imposed its own restrictions, it joined the other four countries in calling for the EU executive to widen its proposal for temporary preventative measures. News of an agreement came hours after EU ambassadors backed the proposed extension of Ukraine's tariff-free access to the bloc's single market. Reuters reports that Paraguayan conservative economist Santiago Peña won the country's presidential election on Sunday, tightening the ruling Colorado Party's political grip in the country and diffusing fears about the end of diplomatic ties with Taiwan. Peña, who has pledged to maintain Paraguay's long-standing Taiwan relations, had 42.7% of the vote with 99.9% of ballots counted, a more than 15-point lead over center-left rival Efrain Alegre, who has argued for switching allegiance to China. Colorado and right-wing party candidates also performed strongly in congressional elections and governor races, with some provinces recording a historic Colorado majority over opposition rivals. The election result leaves Peña facing a challenge to rev up Paraguay's farm-driven economy, shrink a major fiscal deficit, and navigate rising pressures from soy and beef producers to ditch Taiwan in favor of China and its huge markets. In lighter news from Northeastern Global News, a new study from researchers at Northeastern University in collaboration with scientists from MIT and the University of Glasgow 
investigated what happened when a group of domesticated birds were taught to call one another on tablets and smartphones. The results suggest that video calls could help parrots approximate birds' communication in the wild, improving their behavior and likely their well-being in their owners' homes. The researchers then observed how birds used that newfound ability over a three-month period. They wondered, if given the chance, would the birds call each other? Not only did the birds initiate calls freely and seem to understand that a real fellow parrot was on the other end, but caretakers overwhelmingly reported the calls as positive experiences for the parrots. The researchers caution that the findings don't mean parrot owners should fire up a Zoom call and assume it will go well. The participant parrots had experienced handlers who had the time to introduce the technology slowly and to carefully monitor their parrots' reactions. Still, the findings suggest that video calls can improve a pet parrot's quality of life. Thanks to listener Judith Riley for sending us the story. If you have a strange but true story that you'd like to share, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. The story should come from a reputable news source and be verifiable. If we use the story, we'll include a shout-out to the person who sent it. That's all the news I have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip, topic, or correction you'd like to flag for us, please email us at podcasts at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the DSR Daily Brief. If you'd like more in-depth analysis of these issues, be sure to follow the links in the show notes and tune in to our sister podcasts on the DSR Network. Stay safe and stay tuned to the DSR Daily Brief.